The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, today, Lloyd, our show is about computer security, and we have a wonderful guest who actually I had the pleasure of meeting in Santa Fe at the Poneman Institute, and I am just thrilled to have him on the show because he has so much knowledge to share with us. So let me tell you a little bit about Tom Cross, who's the Director of Security Research at Lancope, where he is working on advancing the state of art in network behavioral anomaly detection. And he has extensive experience as a computer security researcher and thought leader. He's credited with discovering a number of critical security vulnerabilities in enterprise class software, and he has published lots of papers on collateral damage and cyber conflict, vulnerability disclosure ethics, security issues in internet routers, encryption, open wireless networks, and protecting Wikipedia from vandalism. And prior to coming to Lancope, Tom served as manager of threat intelligence and strategy in IBM's X-Force research organization. And one of Tom's contribution at IBM was serving as the technical editor of the X-Force Trend Report, which is a biannual report that analyzes data about computer security, vulnerability, disclosures, and much more. Tom has operated online social communities almost continuously since 1991, and in 1996, he co-founded the Electronic Frontiers Georgia, um, where he worked to protect the constitutional rights of Internet users in the United States in the state of Georgia. And then in 2002, no, 2001, Tom co-founded Mimi Streams, an innovative collaborative blogging system that combined online social networking with reputation systems technology. He frequently speaks on information security and technology policies, and he is a distinguished fellow at the Poneman Institute, and that's how I got to meet him, because I am too, and we share a lot of common interests, and he is wonderful. So thank you so much, Tom, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me on the show. It's a it's a great honor, and I'm I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah. So, Tom, you know we have um, heard a lot about these retail organizations that have been breached over the past few months. You know, we've heard about Target, and we've heard about oh my god, every you know Neiman Marcus, my favorite, <laughs> mm. <laughs> all these things. Now, how are these organizations getting breached? 
Well, uh, the, the fact is that, that sometimes we know the answer to that question and sometimes we don't. So um, there are different security vulnerabilities that attackers have leveraged to get um, into these uh, retail networks. Uh, in, in, in the case of, of Target, it was reported that um, the uh, uh, credentials were stolen from one of their business partners, and they used those credentials to access the network. But uh, there may have been some more uh, complicated steps beyond that uh, that the attacker needed to take in order to get control of these uh, cash registers uh, that they got control of. Um, you know, we we don't necessarily know uh, what happened in the case of of, of some of these other uh, organizations that were that were breached. Um, we know sometimes that you know websites uh, vulnerabilities and websites are targeted. Sometimes we see attacks that target insecure wireless networks. Um, uh, but you know organizations are often required to disclose the fact that their uh, network has been breached, but they don't always explain uh, you, you know what the what the technical details are of of exactly how they got breached. And so sometimes it's difficult for other organizations to learn, uh, uh, you know, and to, to, to avoid repeating the mistakes that have been made in the past because they don't exactly know how these breaches happen. Right, right. And a lot of times it's an either a negligent employee or it could be a dirty employee, right? Um, that's true. Uh, there are um, concerns about um, malicious insiders uh, who could get access to data, and that could happen in a retail scenario. So you figure if you were if you were a criminal, um, and uh, you, you know it's it's probably not too hard for to, for you to get yourself a job at a retail establishment where you've got access to cash registers, and maybe you can plug in a USB key, or you could go back into the back office where the where the computer gear is and plug something in. Um, but um, surprisingly, in most of these instances incidences where we do know how the breach occurred, um, the attackers didn't have to go to that level of effort. They were able to reach out uh, over the Internet and, and get access to these networks without, without infiltrating them from the inside. Right, right. So I think it's kind of tough when you have uh, so many different companies that outsource things so that, if, like you said, maybe in Target it, was, um, it wasn't really within Target's IT department. It might have been within one of the other departments that work with them. Is that right? Uh, well, it, what was reported is that uh, some credentials were stolen from a firm that maintained their uh, heating and air conditioning systems at some oh. of their locations. Wow. Uh, so, I mean, these networks are enormously complicated. If you're a retail establishment, you've got facilities all over the country, maybe all over the world. Um, you know, you don't have a, probably a full-time, If say you're a gas station uh, uh, network, you probably don't have a full-time IT guy at every gas station, but you have to have a computer system there to process credit cards. Right. Uh, you know, so it, it gets very complicated. And then you have all these vendor relationships that you're dealing with. And so, um, uh, you, you know, keeping uh, these networks uh, protected is definitely a challenging uh, task. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned this about the gas stations. I, I don't want to mention which company, but there was a security breach with the gas stations, at least out here in California, where where um, the AT, the debit card was being captured and the credit cards were being captured from the, um, like, you know, when I go to get gas, I just run my credit card through, right? So apparently that was happening um, and stealing money from people's accounts and from their credit card companies. So uh, here, here in the South, uh, there was a chain of, uh, of um, uh, chicken restaurants uh, uh, 
um, where uh, um, uh, you know the same thing happened. Uh, the attackers got access to the cash registers uh, and uh, you, you know were able to um, they install malware, malicious software on these cash registers that copy uh, the credit card information out of memory as the as the cards are being swiped. Um, and that event happened almost a, almost a year ago. Uh, so, um, uh, uh, you, you know, there's been a bunch of these kinds of, of attacks that have happened that have targeted a variety of different organizations. There was a, a hotel chain that announced that, um, uh, that their network had been compromised in the same way. So is it someone getting actually into the physical system, or are they just going through wireless going into the system? So I, I, in, in, I, again, we don't always know how it happens, but in, in many cases the attacker is hacking into the network uh, and uh, from remote, uh, and then they're they're able to get uh, onto the computer systems that are uh, that you know each cash register is a computer system and they're all networked, uh, so they're able to get into those cash registers and install uh, software on those cash registers that's not supposed to be there. Wow. So, do you think companies should be required to disclose how their networks are breached so people can learn from it, or, or what? Well, I I do, but it's it's difficult. So you know, first of all. Um, uh, the the in some cases uh, you know some of these organizations may not know uh, how the breach occurred. So if you look at um, uh, what happened with Neiman Marcus, um, they disclosed the timeline of the security incident, and they they said that the attacker was able to compromise their network uh, back in the middle of the summer of 2013, uh, and then the attacker operated through the end of October. Uh, and then um, they actually found out about the breach in December, uh, and they discovered that that uh, there was malware involved on the point of sale terminals in January of this year. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you know, many many months have gone by before you, you they've put together the incident, and uh, at, with all that time having elapsed, um, they may have lost some some information, uh, and and so it can become difficult to reconstruct exactly what happened. Uh, and so um, the the uh, the first question is, does the organization know how it was compromised. And then the second thing is that, unfortunately, um, you know, people tend to, to try to shame these organizations and say, well, you know, you shouldn't have had that security flaw in your environment, and right. if you hadn't had it, you would have, you would have not been uh, successfully attacked. And the fact is that, um, first of all, you know, these organizations are victims of crime. Uh, you, you know, we, 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 we should not uh, uh, sort of, um, you know, shame them for, for, uh, for, for becoming a, a a crime victim, right. and, and secondly, you know the 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 reality is that um, you know these these environments are incredibly complicated, and many of these organizations that are being compromised have um, serious information security programs where they're they are actively engaged in attempting to um, address threats. Uh, but uh, you know the the. The, the problem that we have in terms of trying to secure these networks is very difficult to solve, and sometimes best practices are not necessarily sufficient to, uh, you know, prevent these incidents from happening. So if this, so, you, you know, there's a reticence, I think, to disclose uh, exactly how these networks were breached because people don't want to be embarrassed by that. But at the same time, if you go out and, and, and communicate to people, you know, this is how my network was compromised, then everyone else can learn from that. They can say, well, I'm, you, they can focus on making sure that their network is not vulnerable to that attack. And I think there's a tremendous amount of value in being able to communicate about that. Uh, and, and uh, you know, that, that, that sort of openness and transparency uh, uh, should be something that's respected. 
Yeah, it seems to me that that is important because if they get away with it with one retailer and and the other retailers aren't made aware of that, then it's, it, it could easily happen to them. So it's crazy. How about and there's, wh- there's all yeah. well? Let me add one point, and that is that there's there's all these different priorities that you have as a computer security professional in a company like that with. Uh, you know, the very complex environment that they're operating. And, and it's hard to decide where to focus your energy. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's so many things that you could be doing. And so if you know that, um, you know, some of your peers have been targeted in a certain way, then that can ensure that you, that you make sure that you cover that base, you know, this month and not uh, six months from now or a year from now. Uh, and, that, and those kinds of prioritization decisions are really important, too. Right. So what role does law enforcement play in this with regard to working with the IT security people? Uh, you know, a, a very important role. Uh, obviously, uh, when, when incidents like this occur, law enforcement gets involved, and, and ultimately, you know, their, their uh, effort has to do with attempting to identify uh, the people who are responsible for these crimes and, and to bring them to justice. And we've, we've actually seen, so often, the people who commit these crimes are operating from uh, a variety of different uh, countries in the world. And so um, we've actually seen a lot of improvement in international cooperation uh, with respect respect to uh, uh, law enforcement of, of computer security uh, issues, but that can remain that remains a challenge in some places in the world uh, trying to find uh, uh, trying to connect with the law enforcement in that country and find people in the law enforcement in that country who understand computer security issues so that's a that's a real challenge you know, in addition that, yeah. well let me add one point is, yeah. and that is that the government has uh, been serving as a as a coordinator of uh, information about these attacks. So uh, the, increasingly, the, the in the United States, the government, the law enforcement organizations have been communicating with different organizations and telling them, well, this breach occurred, and this is how it occurred, and this is what you should watch out for. And and to to the point that I made earlier, I think that sort of uh, coordination of information about threats is is really important and and really helps uh, organizations prioritize their their security efforts. So that's another important thing that law enforcement is doing. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, when you were talking about other countries in which, you know, the law enforcement people don't really have the the know-how that, the, you know, that the IT people have, what about in our country? I know even in, you know, I'm a sheriff reserve here in Orange County, and I know that even in our Orange County, we have um, a lot of volunteers who are helping with IT issues and security issues because, Law enforcement isn't really trained that well in that. I mean, is that something you experience as well, that law enforcement isn't isn't always up to speed in all of the security and IT issues? Well, I, I think that this is one of these these things where, uh, uh, you know, in our, in our um, increasingly complicated world, it's, it's really useful to be a person with, with uh, you know, multifaceted skill sets. So, you know, when you go to school, you know, you're asked to sort of pick a channel. And so maybe you're like studying criminal justice or you're studying to be a computer person, right? right. Um, but it's, un, it's unusual that people are doing both of those things simultaneously. And that's the challenge that we have because we really need people who have, a criminal justice background and a computer security background, uh, or uh, you know, we need, for example, uh, you know, people with an information security background and a legal background who can, uh, you know, deal with privacy issues. Uh, so those kinds of um, you know cross-domain uh, areas of expertise, um, you, you know, can be challenging to deal with because there aren't a lot of people who are at that intersection who understand both of those things really well. Yeah, that's why the team effort is such a good idea. I know the Federal Trade Commission has that sentinel, and I don't know how effective it really is to try and have law enforcement and 
fraud people and IT people and, you know, a whole team of people with different expertise to kind of cross train and help each other in terms of investigating some of these security breaches and identity theft and all that. Absolutely. Stuff. And I mean, I think that, so let me, let me add to that. That's a point that, that organizations need to internalize. A lot of companies of look at computer security issues and they see them as being um, primarily a, a technical problem that right. the IT team needs to deal with. And in fact, th- they are very complicated, multifaceted issues, particularly when you talk about uh, malicious insiders, which you brought up before. When you, if you have an employee who either um, negligently or maliciously might le- lose data or be selling data or stealing data, um, you know, it's not just a technical problem. It's a human resources problem. It's a management problem. It's a legal problem. Uh, and it really requires that multidisciplinary task force approach in order to uh, bring together the expertise that you need in order to be able to manage the problem effectively. Right. And sometimes marketing gets so excited that they don't think about the privacy issues. They're they're you know, they want to get stuff out there and then that causes some exposure. I have a friend who is um an IT person, she's incredible and I remember she worked for a big company that I won't name, but they the CEO told her, I want you to guarantee us that we'll never have a breach. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God, you know, I remember her saying, okay, well, you know, it's it's your responsibility, but it really is the entire responsibility. And I think, I think when I, when I think of Kevin Mitnick, who was on my show, you know who he is, he was the yeah, yeah. famous hacker and he's written The Art of de- de- um, Deception. Deception and The Art of Intrusion, right? And he said how easy it was to manipulate people People who were not at the IT level necessarily, people who just would, you know, let them get in and get a thumb drive and they say they're going to fix the air conditioning or something. So um, I think you're absolutely right that that this is it's a whole team effort of the entire uh, organization that you can't just say, okay, this is the IT person's job. It everybody has to be trained in privacy and security. And otherwise, I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like to be the head of an IT um, in an organization and have that kind of pressure. It must, it must keep people up at night. Don't you think? Oh yeah. So let me, let me, uh, so I have this, uh, a study um, that uh, my organization uh, commissioned the Potomac Institute to do on um, how well prepared organizations are uh, for security incidents. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. We we surveyed um, 674 IT professionals. That's how many um, qualified responses we got, 674 from IT uh, professionals who were familiar with their organization's incident response process. And we, we learned a lot of interesting things. But one of the things that we learned that's really important is that um, only 20% of our respondents told us that executives in their company are regularly uh, briefed about computer security threats to the organization. And we thought that was um, uh, a bit of a surprising result. Um, and, and to your point, uh, if, uh, you, you know, the, the executives are themselves targets of attack. Yeah. Um, they may be subject to, to spear phishing attacks or social engineering attacks. Right. They often have access to um, you know, bank accounts and other things that have a lot of value. And, of course, if you can control their email, you can order people to do things. And so you know, right. these people, more so than anyone else in the organization, need to be aware of computer security threats. And they need to be thinking about them. And, unfortunately, you know, our, our data shows that, that they often they are not aware. Um, and, they, and, again, back to the point, 
point I made earlier, they, they seem to view it as, a, as something that, that's handled at, at the IT level that they don't need to be involved with. And I think that that's a, that's a significant problem. And so uh, how do you, you know, what is the recommendation to get them involved? I remember years ago when we wanted to get the senators to understand, you know, Congress to understand identity theft and how easy it was to steal someone's identity. We literally went to Diane Feinstein's office and was able to show her all that we got on her, including her social security number. Oh my! And that's how we got her to introduce some legislation years ago. I mean, do, do you need to like do some kind of something to show them how vulnerable it is and and actually kind of scare the heck out of them or <laughs> what needs to be done to get them to that level where they do take it seriously well I, I you know that tactic can be effective at times but the problem is that often the person in the organization who is trying to raise awareness about computer security is the the person who's responsible for it so if ultimately you end up scaring the executives the next question <laughs> is going to be well why aren't you doing something about this isn't it your job to fix this problem right, right? so people are afraid I think to to create the right level of transparency to their executives because, um, you know, they end up ultimately being held responsible uh, f- uh, for, for, the, for the problems. They don't want to send bad news up. They want to tell them everything's fine. Uh, and, and that's part of the issue. I think another part of the problem really is that, is that you know, business leaders are there to, 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 they look at everything from a quantitative financial perspective. Um, you know, they're, they're very big on metrics and, right. and, you know, understanding, you know, what they're spending money on and, and what impact it's having and ultimately how it's improving the efficiency of the business and, right. and how the business is executing uh, uh, more, more effectively. And so, you, you know, as computer security people, we tend to think in technical terms. We think about vulnerabilities. We think about data privacy. And um, we, we don't think in terms of, of dollars and cents as much. And so well, I you're think not that a, it's not a profit center like marketing. Right? No, it's not. It's not, and it's not. But it's also not managed the way that a marketing right. organization is managed. We we don't have the same level of metrics that we use to track uh, our success and failure, uh, and we don't quantify the dollars and cents um, um, impact of the work that we're doing as carefully. And so we can't communicate to the leadership um, in terms that they're used to dealing with. Uh, what the overall financial consequences and and I mean ultimately sometimes this is really hard to do because you have these things that are really unlikely to happen but if they happen they're catastrophic and so it's very difficult to sort of put a dollar amount on that. Well that's uh, why Larry was doing these cost of security breach uh, studies so yeah. that, that can be used so that the IT person can say hey look at the cost of a security breach you know look at the costs that, that are involved this is going to hurt our bottom line i guess they can use those studies right they can absolutely i mean those studies provide a lot of uh, valuable data that can be used to support this story but you've got to as an it security professional consciously try to elevate the stuff that you're communicating about from a technical issue uh, to a to a financial and and business continuity issue right. uh, that the executives will will appreciate and want to sink their teeth into uh, and if you're good at bridging that gap uh, you can get the level of engagement that you need in order to um, authorize the sort of things that you need to authorized to protect the organization. Yeah, you almost have to translate. Like, you use a different language, right? Yeah. You know, you use a, a different language as a security person as you do when you're talking to, to the board and the security, I mean, and the CEO, because they're not going to get it. You have to use the language that they're going to understand. So, yeah. So, is, 
in, in terms, tell us a little bit more about that study. What else did you learn that would be helpful for people who are running companies? And, you know, we're here we are on the campus and of the University of California, Irvine, but we have a lot of companies that are, you know, very much involved with these issues that are driving by, and we have business schools. So what are some of the other issues that you learned in this study? Well, we learned that... Um, you know, organizations are, are not as well prepared uh, for security incidents as uh, I guess we think that they should be. We, we, we measured, and, and it's important to, to, to sort of clarify that the people who responded to our survey felt that, um, you know, they could successfully protect their organization if they were well prepared. Uh, and and they, they also indicated that, uh, um, that, uh, that the thing that they could do that would that would best improve their 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 uh, readiness and their ability to defend the organization is to have a better incident response capacity, uh, and that that capacity is not necessarily there. Um, co- organizations are spending less than ten percent of their security budget on incident response preparedness, mm-hmm. uh, and their their uh, that amount is not growing necessarily. Um, most of our respondents said that it was staying the same, and some some said it was decreasing. So, um, you know, there's the, the problem is that um, when you see a, a, a security incident, the question people ask is, well, how do I prevent that from happening again in the future? And you, right. you take all these preventative steps. And we've been doing that for years in computer security. We've been building all these walls. But as you see, we still, we still have breaches occurring all the time, significant ones. Um, and so I think that at some point you have to get to the realization that, um, you know, a, a breach is probably inevitable. No CIO can tell their boss, you know, I will absolutely uh, prevent any right. breach from ever occurring in this organization. And so right. in, instead, you've got to start thinking, how do I, how do I be prepared uh, for when that inevitable thing happens? Um, and, uh, you know, what are the steps that I need to take? And ultimately, if you've taken those steps, then you will identify that breach more quickly, you will um, understand it more rapidly, and you will limit the, uh, the consequences that it has for the organization by being able to, to rapidly respond respond. Um, so I, I think there's a strong argument for uh, a stronger incident response capabilities in organizations, but unfortunately our data shows that um, uh, that it's not getting sufficient focus. Well, Tom, so tell us some of the more important things that, that companies should be doing to be prepared. Well, first of all, you, you have to have a, a designated uh, incident response team, um, and you've got to think about how it's staffed. Um, you, you've got to have professionals on that team. Uh, you know, most of our respondents told us that their incident responders were uh, people with at least 10 years of experience. Um, they were, they were uh, seasoned IT professionals. Um, the other is, issue is that often these people uh, work part-time uh, doing incident response, and then they have some other primary responsibility, and that can be a problem uh, in the midst of an incident because someone's uh, a regular job is competing with the need for them to respond to the security a- event that's happened. So it's, it's really important once you've established that team to make sure that they have the right uh, procedures in place um, to a- execute in the event that an incident occurs. Um, you want to have fire drills, and you want to identify roadblocks uh, that prevent them from responding to the incident or things that are not dealt with efficiently uh, in, in, the, in the incident response process. 
Uh, for example, um, one of the things that I think you should talk about is a PR and analyst relations plan, right. uh, because you may have a breach that needs to be publicly disclosed, and you need to consider um, you know, how you're going to go about doing that. Um, we found that only 23% of our respondents actually had such a plan in place, and so that tells us that organizations are not thinking through all of the um, all of the things that they need to think through to be prepared in the event that something like this happens. So you've got to think through ahead of time because in the in the in the heat of the moment, people are often very emotional. They're running around trying to figure things out, and if 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 the rules of the road have not been established in advance, uh, it's very difficult to 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 make those to reach those agreements in in the midst of a crisis. Exactly. So, and we don't have a lot of time, but I, I would think that you need to have somebody from legal, somebody from, like you said, your PR department or your communications department, right? Absolutely. Obviously, obviously You've got to have a cross-functional organization like we were talking about yeah. before. That it has the not just that that has visibility into all the potential impacts of the incident and the authority uh, to be able to act with autonomy to 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 shut the incident down and contain it and 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 get access to the things they need to get access to in order to do that. Well, we are out of time. Would you believe it went so quickly, Tom? You're wonderful. So why don't you give your website and people can go? Can they get a copy of the uh, of the report or get some hints of what to do at your website? Absolutely. So if you go to uh, landcope.com, uh, um, we, we have a rotating banner uh, right there on the page, and uh, you'll see uh, it says CEOs in the dark about uh, uh, cybersecurity incidents, and you can, you can click on that, and it will take you to our report. Okay, terrific. L-A-N-C-O-P-E.com. L-A-N-C-O-P-E.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, and we'll have you back again, Tom, and we'll see you soon. Great. Thank you very much. This was great. Okay, that fun. All right, take care of yourself. Bye-bye, Tom. Bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.